Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucet, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette, and as we do every week on Thursday, a brand new guest joining us talking about their life and their journey through the world of martial arts and everything in between. My guest today is a martial artist, an athlete, a film actress. She was a world champion in forms and weapons from 1981 to 1985 and retired undefeated with over 100 competitions. She holds five black belt ranks, and after retiring from competition, she made a name for herself as an action actress in Hong Kong before wowing audiences in the U.S. She starred in over 60 movies. In 1983, she became the first woman to grace the cover of Karate Illustrated, was inducted into the Black Belt Hall of Fame, and in 2016 was the first martial artist, male or female, to be inducted into the International Sports Hall of Fame by Arnold Schwarzenegger and Dr. Robert Goldman. Please welcome today my guest, the lovely, the talented, the legend, Cynthia Rothrock. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. I, I truly appreciate you doing this. I'm, I'm excited to chat with you. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> good. So like what we do with all my guests, I want to go back to the beginning and find out where was that first spark, that first interest in the martial arts and kind of what led to you that started your martial arts journey? Well, I was 13 and I was kind of a, a different kind of kid. I always like to try different things, unique things, something that wasn't normal. I always say I was kind of like an out of the box kind of person and still am today. Uh, but I was uh, with my friend and her parents were studying Tung Sudo at the Scranton Karate School, and they owned a health club and we would come down on Sundays because it was closed and we'd work out in the big room and, you know, do rolls and cartwheels and all that. And then they would put their karate uniforms on and practice. And I saw that and I was like, what is that? And they're like, oh, yeah, we're studying martial arts. And they started doing forms. And I thought, wow, that uniform is like really cool. And then when I was watching them, I was like, wow, that's awesome that you can learn how to defend yourself with your hands and feet. So I went home, I told my mom about it. And then my mom uh, signed me up at the Scranton Karate School. Wow. That's actually really cool. So 13 years old. So what what are some things you remember about some of those first classes? What made you, after you got into it, want to stick with it? What kind of stood out and, and made you enjoy it? Well, at first I did not. Oh, okay. <laughs> And it was a lesson learned that I've always uh, took with me, though, you know, my whole life is that you never give up. And I remember starting, I was the only girl in the class and all it was all guys and they're all shouting. And then um, there actually was one woman there. And but I didn't know she was a woman. I thought she was a guy. And <laughs> on my second class, uh, the instructor uh, paired me up with her and she hit me in the head with a roundhouse kick, almost knocked me out. Right. So I was like, oh, I don't like this. You know, blocking with my head is not good. <laughs> and then the next class I went to, someone said, hey, I, you just learned the front kick. Try to break this board. And they gave me a half a board, which, you know, is almost impossible to break. <laughs> yep. uh, and I tried it. And I thought I broke my toe. And then I was like, you know what? I don't really like this. And I was learning basic form one. 
I couldn't get the turn. And it was about a month and a half. And I told my mom, I said, I, I don't like it. I want to quit. And my mom said, you know, no, I signed you up for four months. You're staying with it for four months. So we were sitting down after class one day and the instructor gave a talk. And basically, I thought he was gearing it directly to me about quitters are losers. And if you have a bad attitude, you're never going to get anywhere in life. You know, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my gosh, I want to quit. I don't want to be a loser. Uh, you know, I do have a bad attitude. I hate push-ups. Let me start thinking. I love push-ups. You know, what's the benefit? Oh, they're good for my arms. They're going to make me really strong. My punch is stronger. And I just changed my attitude from that. And then when, once I changed my attitude, I started getting better. And I got that move on uh, basic one. And I didn't mind doing push-ups, you know. And uh, then I tested for my first belt, which was orange. And at that point, my instructor wanted me to go into a competition. At that time, it was just women. There were no ranks. So I was competing at five and a half months with some black belts. Wow. And I ended up taking second and black belt took first, black belt took third. And actually the girl that hit me in the head, the black belt <laughs> from the school, <laughs> she took third. So I was quite happy. I was like, wow. okay. And then, you know, that just fired me uh, from that point on that if I could at five and a half months, beat black belts, I'm going to train really hard. And my goal was to be the best in the sport. Wow. That's actually a really cool story. <laughs> I was, I, they actually already answered because I was going to ask you how you got into competition. You kind of answered that. So that's that obviously became kind of the, the, the big part of it. And, and obviously that's what you, you were known for for so long was just being an amazing competitor. What do you think it was in you that kind of really just drove you to do that? I mean, it's, had you done sports before or was this the first time you'd ever done anything like in a competition wise? Well, no, it was my first like competition, but okay. you know, I, I was pretty active. You know, I used to go ice skating. I used to swim, you know, I used to play baseball. Uh, you know, I used to do that kind of sport activities, but not so much, you know, an art like this, you know, I was young, you know, so that, yeah, it, it, it just, uh, yeah, it, it just fired me. You know, when I won that competition, we just uh, kept competing in all these tournaments. And I think what it was is I never won a trophy before. And I was like so proud, you know, and I remember my mom displayed it on the living room table. And then there were two trophies and there were 10, then there were 30. <laughs> and then they started going in the basement. Then they started going in the attic. You know. <laughs> wow. So what, at what belt level did you start doing the weapons also? Or was that right away? No, it wasn't because when I was studying uh, Tung Sido, we didn't have any weapons at oh, all. It was just okay. a hand and feet. And I remember I was competing in a tournament in New York. Uh, I believe it was Fred Hamilton's tournament. And I saw this guy, uh, Benson Lee, there doing a double headed spear form. And I went crazy. I said, oh my gosh, I want to learn that. I love that. So I asked him where he is from. I was from Scranton. He said he studied with Chum Leung in New York City, which was about maybe around three hour drive for me. And I found someone that would go with me and we would drive up there every Sunday for three years. And wow. I did that all because I wanted to learn weapons, you know? So um, it was just something that I was obsessed with. You know, I knew... I, I loved like doing open hand forms, but I loved even more like working with all these different weapons because it was unusual. It was dangerous. You know, it was creative. It was beautiful. You know, all, all that just, you know, inspired me to, you know, just keep searching out and do weapons. I also went to mainland China and studied in 1982. Wow. 
I, I was there for about eight weeks. And that was that was a trip because at that time, you weren't really allowed to go into China yet. I have all these special permits. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to learn as much as I could about weapons. Wow. And so did you have a favorite one you like to compete with or did you change it up and do multiple weapons? You know, most of the time I competed with a uh, weapon called the double hook swords, which are two two swords and there's basically nine different weapons attached to one handle. So you can use it various ways. You could hook them together and you have a long range weapon. And uh, that's what I'm known for. That's what I won my championships in 1982. I had to compete against the men all the time in weapons because they never had a women's division. And I won out of everybody in you know the North American regions. And uh, that was a feat that I was very proud of, you know, because it was very hard for a young girl to come in and win the men's, you know, not just one time for the whole year. Uh, <laughs> so I did that. And a lot of times I would tie. I know I would tie a lot with uh, Keith, uh, Keith Hirabayashi. Mm-hmm. And then we'd have to do a different weapon. So then I would mix that up. I did a broadsword. I did the steel whip. Uh, I think I might have done the three sectional staff once or twice, but they were like my backup weapons. You don't see the three sectional staff as much. That's that's actually one of my favorites. I Not me using it because I'm not good with it. Regular staff, yes, but my instructor is amazing with three sectional staff and I always love watching him compete with that. Yeah, it's definitely an awesome weapon. I mean, uh, you know, with the three sectional staff, it's much harder than the, the nunchaku, the two section, and these are like longer. And I just remember like learning it, like doing like the different spins and, you know, uh, around the back, around the neck and wearing a football helmet because when <laughs> yep. that big long stick at the end hit you in the head, that would, that hurt. <laughs> Very much. Yeah. I, I did the padded, padded sparring gear I'd put on my head when I was learning that weapon. And yeah, I got hit in the head many times with three sectional staff. I was, well, you know, at, the, at that time they did the safety equipment wasn't even developed that's how long we're going back and so i had i literally had a football helmet that's awesome wow so how long did you stay at that first school then in scranton and what level did you get to there um i got i got to a second degree black belt there okay and uh then uh, at that time, it, martial arts were different. It was like it was very competitive. You know, it was almost like none of the schools were friends. Everybody was competition. And, you know, I started uh, studying at a local Kung Fu school because I wanted to learn more of the Kung Fu. And uh, my Tung Sudo instructor said, you know, you can't study both styles. You have to pick one, which was really disheartening to me because I didn't want to. But at that time, it was like, you know, you <laughs> you can't, you know, so I ended up like doing the Kung Fu and did that for a long time. And then many, many, many years later, I went back to my Tung Sudo roots uh, uh, with uh, Grandmaster Kovaleski, Robert Kovaleski, and uh, which I was glad, you know, to get back into it because that's my original style. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so that that was the the shift from uh, Tung Sudo to Kung Fu. So did that have a studying Kung Fu? Did that have kind of a big impact on your forms and the kind of forms you were doing? Yeah, definitely. Uh, They were really different. And that's what I liked about the Kung Fu because it was a little more challenging. It was like all the stances were low, you know, they were splits of stances, uh, you know, you hold your leg up for balance. It was, it was much more, more complicated. And I liked that kind of movement when I was performing. So 
I, the good thing that I have is the basis from Tung Sudo was, uh, I'm so glad I started off with Tung Sudo because it taught me power, power in my hands, power in my feet. So when I was doing the Kung Fu forms, I was doing them a little stronger than everybody else. You know, I was really, I remember like my instructor, Roger Tong was telling me I was doing it too powerful. (laughs) And I was like, but Roger, this wouldn't work for me if I didn't do it hard, right? And then we competed together and I beat him. I was like, I was like, oh, that's what you were telling me. Don't put so much power in. That's awesome. <laughs> nice, nice. And then, so what's, what's, I know you, in your bio said you have five different black belts. So what style came next? Uh, well, uh, well, I started off first with Tung Sudo. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I went to Pai Lum Kung Fu, which was local. Then I went to uh, Eagle Claw Kung Fu with Shum Leong. Okay. Um, then I studied Wushu. I went, uh, you know, I studied with Roger Tong and I went to China to study in Taiwan. And uh, then I studied Kempo and I also studied uh, different types of uh, Chai Chi as okay. well. Which style of Kempo did you take? Chinese Kempo. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. It was under, under United Studios of Self-Defense. Uh, okay. I was working with them and, uh, oh, and I also studied Taekwondo. I forgot. I have a second degree black belt in Taekwondo nice. as well. <laughs> um, what happened is when I moved to California, I was studying with Ernie Reyes and they were Taekwondo and basically Tung Sudo and Taekwondo are, are, are pretty similar. The yeah. only thing different is just the form. So yeah. Grandmaster Ernie Reyes said, okay, well, I want you to learn all these forms. And uh, he taught them all to me. And then he tested me and had a break like cinder blocks. And he gave me like a second degree in, in Taekwondo. <laughs> nice. That's yeah, that's uh, that's that. And that's my core style. I actually started in Tong Sudo also when I was 10. Tong Sudo was my first style. Then I did Shotokan and then uh, Taekwondo, Aikido, American Kempo, and then mixture in some other stuff too. But uh, yeah, it's yeah. Taekwondo, oh, yeah. Taekwondo and Tong, Tong Sudo are very, very, they're basically sister arts. So they're very similar. Yes. <laughs> so in, in all the years then in, in the school, did, now, did you ever teach at all? Is that something you ever aspire to do? And Oh yeah. No, uh, before I did movies, that's what I did for a living. I, I had two schools in Scranton. Oh, wow. Okay. And then when I moved to California in 1981, I had a school with George Chung. The two of us were partners. So we opened up a, a school there. And uh, then when I moved to Hong Kong, uh, my goal was to be undefeated for five consecutive years. Mm-hmm. And it was a goal I really, really strived for. So when I made that goal, I was like, okay, what am I going to do now? Because I was teaching and I was competing. And that's when my first movie role came At the same time I was my last year of competition. So I very, I was blessed. I just transitioned from being a teacher at a school to doing martial art movies. And uh, ever since then, I still teach seminars around the world. So I still teach, you know, I love to teach because that is my passion. Right. And so, I, you know, I'm still doing movies, uh, still teaching seminars. So then uh, how do you think your teaching style has changed over the years? Thinking back to when you first started teaching way back then and, and to now, how, what do you think's changed about your style? Well, I don't think too much has changed. Um, I'm really, really a stickler for technique. And uh, I'm very picky with my students that everything is correct. Like it drives me crazy when I see people with these beautiful, flexible sidekicks, but then their foot's in the wrong position, you know? So I think I've always been like that. I just, you know, you just learn more as the years go. So you have a lot more to offer people. So I guess that's, that's what's changed is that I could teach pretty much many different styles now as compared to back in the day, you know, only teaching the one style you were studying. Nice. Okay. And you mentioned the movie. So how did that start? Is that something, did you seek out to do that or did someone approach you? How did that first movie come about? No, never, never. Um, I used to watch like, and when I was in uh, Shumley Young School, after we trained in New York, 
we would go to Chinatown and we'd see movies and have dinner every Sunday. And uh, that's why I was introduced to Hong Kong cinema and Jackie Chan. And I was just like blown away by this action. And I remember coming home and like copying movies that or moves that Jackie Chan did, you know, and I loved the fact that he could take it anything like a, like a, an umbrella and use it as a staff, you know? So I would try to take different things I saw laying around the house and use them as, as weapons because I was really, really like influenced by that. And how uh, it came about is I was on the West Coast demonstration team and we were known like for like amazing men, like in the um, team. And Paul Maslick was the head, was the editor of Inside Kung Fu magazine. And he was uh, he called Ernie Reyes and said, hey, can you bring your guys down? There's a Hong Kong director here uh, doing an audition and they're looking for the next Bruce Lee. And he said, yeah, absolutely. He goes, what about the girls? And they said, well, you could bring the girls down, but they're really looking for a guy. So we all went down to Los Angeles and we auditioned and Corey Yoon said, I want to go with the girl. So he signed me up and uh, that's how I got started. And I wow. never thought I would have a career in it. I thought, oh, this is like such an awesome experience. I'm going to be doing a movie and maybe some, maybe my picture will be on the poster and someday I could show my children, look at your mother was in a movie. <laughs> you know, that's what I was thinking. And the first movie I did was Yes, Madam with Michelle Yeoh. And it broke all box office records, huge success. And then I got... Uh, offered by three different Hong Kong companies to do uh, three three more movies. So it kind of, after I did the first movie, I was like, oh, yes, this is what I want to do. This is, you know, what my destiny is, is um, to do martial art movies now after I completed my goal of being undefeated through five years. <laughs> wow. And yeah, I mean, it, and you made, you, I mean, you were making so many, I mean, I grew up watching you, you know, in the 80s, some of these amazing martial arts movies. I loved China O'Brien. I think that was the the first time I saw you was that one. They went back and watched a lot of your old ones. And I mean, I'm looking at like in 1990, I mean, you released six movies in 1990. It's crazy. Yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy then. Uh, back then, back then I was making a lot every year. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm guessing you were probably one of the hardest working martial arts actresses in, in the, in the world at the time. That's crazy. I think so. I mean, now I, I remember thinking like, I can't do another movie. I just need a break. You know? <laughs> and now you're like, I wish I had another movie. <laughs> So just those first couple of movies, what are some of the experiences you remember about making it? You know, what are some of the things that kind of stand out and stuff? When I went to Hong Kong, I knew nothing about movies. And uh, when I first got there, I thought because I saw the Kung Fu movies, you know, in Chinatown, I thought, oh, they're going to dress me like in long braids and I'm going to have these Chinese uniforms on. And what if they put razor blades in my braids and I just spin my head around and attack everybody, you know, cause I see these movies <laughs> and I was quite surprised when they said, no, you're going to play Cindy and you're just a cop from England and you wear regular clothes. Cause I never even saw a Hong Kong movie. That was a modern day one. I thought they were all period movies, you right. know? And then when I got to set, uh, there was no script. And I didn't know. I thought, oh, this is how you shoot. They give you your lines right before you get out there. But nobody spoke English. Nobody on the set spoke English except Michelle Yeoh. And they wanted me to say my lines in Chinese. Now, I was nervous. 
I felt I had a hard time saying them in English, never mind Chinese, but I was trying to memorize the Chinese. And then they finally said, oh, that's okay. You could just say one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> and when I went to Hong Kong, you know, because that's the old stigma, you know, and they did, they dubbed actors, they just had them say numbers. And I said, and someone warned me about it. They said, ask, what are you saying in Chinese and put the syllables to it? So they thought I was crazy because I was like, no, no, how many syllables are there? And then I'd say, okay, well, what am I supposed to say? And then I try to put those words in that amount of syllables, you know, so I didn't look like, you know, your mouth is still moving <laughs> and then it stops and your, your voice is still going. <laughs> That's awesome. So I'm, I'm curious now in all your years in martial arts, have you had, I'm, I'm obviously most martial arts, you have injuries of some type. I'm curious, has your worst injury come making a movie or training in martial arts? Actually, my worst injury has been training in martial arts. And it's an injury that I've had for over 35 years and never got fixed. I was jumping, doing a jumping hook, jumping, spinning hook kick. And I came down and I, I heard my knee pop and I, uh, I ripped my anterior crucial ligament. Well, then I had to go back. I was shooting Millionaire's Express. So I went to the doctor and they go, oh yeah, you need surgery. And I was like, I can't, I can't, I got to do this movie. So I just went and I did the movie and then I had to do writing wrongs and I blew out the knee again, even worse. And I had a change in movie writing wrongs. Everything I did was dominant on my left side. And, you know, as martial artists, we're pretty dominant on one side. Well, my side was right, but I had to change everything to my left. And I thought, oh, this is going to look terrible. But when I see the movie, I go, okay, I pulled it off. It was good. So uh, I just learned to live with it, to live with the pain. I never got surgery. I mean, I trek like up to Everest, uh, Machu Picchu. I've done these like bizarre, hardest treks you can in the world. You know, I, um, I do a lot of like extreme sports and people say, how could you do that with your knee? You know, and I don't know what it is. I guess it's a martial artist thing, you know, mind over matter. And I love that because that's literally almost identical to mine. I actually, well, although my injury wasn't from martial arts, I blew my lateral meniscus out when I was the day before my 16th birthday playing kickball in gym class and was told that if I didn't have reconstructive surgery, I'd never do martial arts again. And I still to this day haven't had it done. Yeah, so. I know. You know, it, it's it's crazy. And then one time I went in, and and, and well, what happened is uh, my orthopedic guy said, you know, I don't know why you can kick and you could do everything you could do without an anterior crucial ligament. He did an MRI and it was completely gone. And that's like what holds your knee in place. So he goes, we want to do a study. And he goes, you know, if you ever get the surgery, I'll give you a good discount. He goes, if you do this study for me. So I was like, okay. So I remember they, they got these like electrodes or something and they sewed them all into my legs. Right. Like, and it was, I'm like, yeah, you really owe me big time now. And they made me run. They made me jump. They made me run backwards, you know, sidestep, do all this thing. And the study came back that I could do all this stuff because my quads and my hamstrings were so strong they held my knee in place. Okay. Interesting. So, you know, ever since then, I always try to, you know, work on my quads and hamstrings, keep them strong. <laughs> there you go. It, whatever works, man. Like I said, you keep going and just kind of like you just ignore the pain. And before you know it, you don't even realize it's there anymore. So <laughs> right. Cool. Ex- exactly. Yeah. That's, I guess how, how it is now, you know, it's not like, re- you know, it's not to the point, like if it ever got to the point where I couldn't really do anything on yeah. it, you know, I, I would totally do it. But you know, if it's just like, you know, just remember, you know, <laughs> You know, the pain is my friend. 
I've been told I will have to have it at some point, but last time I had it, had it, uh, had an MRI done and the doctor was shocked. I'd never had my knee rebuilt. He's like, are you serious? So yeah. Yeah. Well, I actually went in because I was like, you know what, let me just go in. And I was like, what, well, what can you do? You know? And he looked at me and he said, just keep doing what you're doing (laughs) because you don't, you know, you're getting fine. He goes, do you ever think of like sitting home reading a book? I said, never. He goes, yeah, I I figured. (laughs) Nice. So looking through your, your resume and IMDB, I'm just, you've done a handful of things on TV. The majority has been movies. Have you ever had any interest in doing more TV stuff? I know like you were in an episode of Hercules and stuff. Would that be something that would ever interest you in doing like a, an actual series? I would love to do a series. You know, um, we almost did a series uh, when we did Irresistible Force uh, with Stacey Keats. That was supposed to be a series. And what happened, it was at the time where action in America was like, people were saying, no, that promotes violence. And, you know, it was for CBS and CBS says no. And then they were calling Kevin Hooks, who was the director saying, she can't kick to the head and I don't want any blood in the movie. You know, it was a, such a different day back then. And, and then they just shelved it. They said, no, it's, it, it was, uh, it was actually, yeah, it was irresistible force that they thought was too violent for TV. So that, that was a close call. And uh, I guess right now it's kind of close to TV. I'm doing uh, uh, for Black Belt Magazine. I'm doing a Black Belt Theater, yes. which we shot 12 episodes. And uh, basically what we do is we review action movies and uh, we have different segments on it. It's kind of funny. My co-host is Stefan Johnson, who is one of the major TikTok comedians. Yep. Um, so we do that and, uh, and it's exciting. I, I love doing that. And it gets me to watch, you know, a lot of the old movies and a lot of them I haven't even seen, you know, because they're like from Japan or from all different countries. So uh, I'm really excited about, about that uh, TV show that we're doing now. So I'm excited about that too. And I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. Cause yeah, I've actually, I've known Stefan for years cause we both do voiceover work. So I, oh, I, how yeah. Funny. yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, yeah, I've met him at some voiceover conferences around the country and stuff. And we've chatted on the phone he's it's such a good guy and when he told me he was doing that i got so excited so yeah i got i watched a couple of clips of the episodes and, and yeah that's it's on um uh, what's the the streaming service it's on a uh, jungle plus yeah that's right that's yeah. right and yeah. it's, it's different because at first you know for the first six episodes they kind of wanted us to be a little bit like i'm the expert and he doesn't know anything about it and we kind of <laughs> was a, it was a little like you know kind of a mm, you know, who are you whatever and now the next six six episodes they let us just be ourselves so it's quite funny and uh yeah so it's, <laughs> we're progressing as we go on and on and on well i'm excited <laughs> for it and I'll, I'll definitely put a link out there for that because yeah it, it's I'm, I'm glad to, uh, you, got, you got to work with stefan because he's a he's a hilarious guy and just super nice guy, oh so. i know we have oh yeah we have some really yeah funny <laughs> funny stuff going on now so it, it, it's good nice and then i know you have a looks like you have a couple new projects that are well i mean obviously some some are filming pre-production you never know what's going to happen post-production but what's the the tv miniseries a diary of a lunatic that's listed on here that looks like it's already completed yeah yeah i shot that uh, about two years ago okay um and uh i'm not really sure you know i i don't know if it's going to go into a tv series or not okay. uh but uh yeah that that movie was shot um trying to think uh the things i have upcoming are more like like movies, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, I would love to do a TV series, you know, cause it's consistent work, you know, you get involved into the character. Right. Um, we'll, we'll see who knows, you know, maybe well, someday. Said, hopefully the black belt TV thing will, will last for a while too. Cause that's, I mean, it's, it's really, it's a, it's a great idea. I can't believe they haven't thought of that before and I'm, I'm glad they have you doing it. So 
Hopefully it'll yeah, last right, for many years. <laughs> right. And right now it's like, uh, I know, I think George said they have over 400 movies and I was like, wow. And he's still like acquiring more, nice. but yeah, I mean, it's right now it's, it's on Saturday at 6 PM specific standard time. Uh, so if you miss it, you can't see it again until, but they said in January, you'll be able to stream all the other episodes. So oh, good, uh, good. <laughs> if people miss it, they can, they can catch them then. I was wondering about that. Cause I know I missed a couple too. I'm like, dang it. <laughs> so, okay, good. I'll have to, that'll be good in January. So <laughs> yeah, me too. Isn't it funny? I was like, Oh, if I miss it, I'll, I'll watch it later. Right. And I was like, well, no, no, is it, there, there's things you can't go back and see. <laughs> I know. That's, I mean, come on. It's 2021. It's like, you should be able to watch anything once you miss it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Good. Cool. So what advice would you give someone who approached you that said they've never done martial arts in their life? They're thinking of getting involved. What, what kind of tips would you give them? Maybe what to look for in a school, what to look for an instructor and maybe some things to avoid. Well, first of all, I would definitely say, you know, get involved in a good martial arts school because I really do think everybody should know martial arts. And I think, well, you know, why not? It's an excellent form to get in shape and to get your body in good condition. But at the same time, you're learning self-defense. So it's a two for one. It doesn't get any better than that. Uh, but what I would tell people is, you know, check out a couple studios in the area and go in and uh, see them and get a feel for what feels good for you. Because when you don't know anything about martial arts, they could go in and everything kind of looks good. So you just got to look at the movements, look at the instructor, how confident is he, how's the discipline in the class. Sometimes some schools have an introductory class. You could take like a couple lessons for inexpensive just to try it out and see how you like it. You know, do that and basically, um, you know, find one that looks like that you would like to do because, you know, like I said, you can go to styles that have high kicks, styles that have low kicks, you know, mostly hand styles, you know, more acrobatic styles. So it depends on what the body's, uh, I think a person's body type is and what kind of movement they think would, would seem fit for their body. It's all good. It's not, you know, people always say, what's the best martial art? You know, they're all, all good martial arts. It's not the martial art, it's the teacher. Yeah. 100%. Well, maybe with one exception, I remember I, I told the story a few times, but when I went to college, there was three martial arts styles on campus and there was one that was called Juku Kai. I didn't know anything about it. My friend took it. And for his green belt test, he actually had to take 10 groin kicks to pass his green belt <laughs> test. I'm like, that may be the first truly bad martial art. I don't know. <laughs> what was the instructor, Master Ken? <laughs> that's what I was wondering. If that's what I thought of when I first saw Master Ken. I'm like, God, I wonder. But the funny thing was, my friend went through the test, passed, and then quit two weeks later. I'm like, why didn't you quit before they kicked you in the groin? <laughs> oh, yeah, that that's weird. That's like kind of like, I don't know if it, it's like the old school training. But, you know, when, when uh, I started training, it, you know, I remember the instructors would be jumping on your stomachs to make sure your abs were tight. You know, yep. I remember one one instructor, it wasn't my instructor, but it was like I was doing a, a class at another school. And if you weren't down low enough in your horse stance, he had one of those electric cow prod things and Jeez. he would zap you with it. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was a little tougher, I think, back in those days. Now today, you know, you can't can't do that because students will, will quit. And it was almost like the attitude then, like it, it wasn't a business for people. Everybody uh, kind of had another job and that, that was their part-time thing. So they it wasn't about money. It was about, well, how good are you? And if you're good enough to hang in our school, okay. <laughs> nice. I know my, my, my current instructor has always said that if he taught like he did in the nineties, he'd probably only have five students. And if he taught like his instructor did in the seventies and eighties, he'd probably be in jail. <laughs> so 
<laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, it's true. Because I remember when I was testing for my black belt at Tung Sido, my instructor brought in three of the Korean instructors from Korea for three weeks prior to our black belt testing. And they were like, yeah, your students are good, but nobody knows how to fight. <laughs> and they're like, what? <laughs> So for three weeks, they fought, they have fought us heavy and hard. And I remember saying like, do a spinning kick. And I knew my other leg was coming out and I would go home bruised and hurt. And my mom actually said, I think you need to quit this stuff. Right. And she would (laughs) never say that. And I'm like, no mom. And then I went in to my instructor because I remember my instructor told me if they didn't want someone in the school, the students would beat them up. So they'd never come back. And I was like, do you like not want me in the school? And he's like, no, no. But I'll tell you what, the lesson I've learned from it, that I was never afraid to fight a woman in competition again, because I knew that they were not going to hit me as hard as these Korean guys did, you know? So, so it was a good, a good lesson for me and a good uh, uh, training. (laughs) That's crazy. So what are your, now you've, you know, been studying martial arts for most of your life. What are your thoughts on MMA and the UFC? And are you a fan? I am a fan. I would never do it. And I wouldn't (laughs) recommend someone to do it. But, uh, you know, I'm a fighter. I like fighting. I like watching it, you know, and if someone is crazy enough to get in there and do it, well, more power to you. I don't like it when it's just, you know, like it looks like just a wrestle and nobody's really doing anything. I find that quite boring. But Mm -hmm. when there's really good techniques and there's also kicks involved and and stuff like that, I, I quite enjoy it. So if you had to pick one martial artist, whether it's someone you've actually trained with or just someone you've looked up to your whole life, one one martial artist to put on the top of your list for someone you truly admire, who would that be and why? Oh, my gosh. That is like such a hard question because there's so many martial artists. And, and most of my guests pick more than one, just so you know that. But I always ask for one and usually they'll name four. I would have to say my first instructor, Frank Chinovich, okay. uh, because... If it wasn't for him, I feel I wouldn't be the martial artist I am today, right? That he taught me great technique, taught me how to teach, gave me my basic uh, foundation. And then another one, I guess I'm inspired by and I respect is uh, Grandmaster Ernie Reyes. Um, You know, he taught me performance. He taught me how to not be just like everybody else, you know, to shine above everybody else and bring your own creativity to it. And even today, you know, he has stage four cancer and he's training and he's got the most positive attitude and he's out there giving, you know, inspiration to people like not to quit and, you know, no matter how hard life is and what it bestows on you. And, uh, and I love that. That's like the true warrior spirit. That's cool. I met him once. I actually met him and Ernie Jr. at the Diamond Nationals in Minneapolis. And I think it was 1991 or 1992. Oh, gosh. I competed there from, I've won it five years in a row, 81 through 85 Diamond Nationals. Yeah, see, and I started martial arts in 84, my first time going to the Diamond Nationals in 1990. So I wouldn't wouldn't have been able to see you, unfortunately, but. Oh, gosh, if you would have went in 85, would have been my last year. (laughs) Actually, when I competed in the Diamond Nationals, I was doing the Hong Kong movie. So I would be on set. I go, I have to go to the Diamond Nationals because I have to be number one this year. Right. So I went, compete, come back on the set. It was like crazy. It was like, oh, I was so tired because, you know, when you're coming from Hong Kong, you have such jet lag. Then I had to go compete the next day and then go fly back to Hong Kong the day after oh okay. my god so you, I'm, I'm assuming then you also did the battle of atlanta too battle of atlanta okay. yeah the u.s open triple crown uh, actually nice. yeah there's a there's one tournament we're talking about going with black belt magazine i'm going to go interview people if it goes it's the uh, aka grand nationals which is their 45th anniversary this year oh wow 
okay. or next year, actually 22 coming soon. But uh, yeah, yeah, nice. I hit them all. I hit, I hit every A-rated tournament during those five years that there was. That's awesome. Yeah, I actually just interviewed uh, Joe Corley last week. So uh, oh yeah, two, two weeks ago, and I'm I'm hoping to get Larry Carnahan too. I have a request into him, and and I know he was I I, I sent the request to him right before the Diamond Nationals, and of course he was super busy. So I to, oh, told, yeah. <laughs> told him I'd reach back out in a few months. But I, yeah, I'm I'm not sure if I've I've been to a couple big ones, and I, I've been to the Diamond Nationals, and I've been to Ed Parker's tournament in Long Beach. I was there in '95 and '96. I don't know which one's bigger. But I've been to, those are the two yeah, biggest yeah. ones I've been to just to watch and stuff. So. Well, you know, back in the day, the, the Long Beach Internationals were the tournament. I yes. mean, Bruce Lee went there, you yeah. know. Yep. And when I first moved to California, uh, when I came in 81, one of the biggest, you know, things I wanted to do is compete there. And I, I went there, compete and I won, you know. So that was such a like, oh, an eye opener for me because I was seeing all these people there that I read about. But, yeah, that was the tournament at, back in the day. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. It was fun to go. Me and, my, me and my buddy wanted to go watch and we took a, our first ever cross country road trip in 1995. We, we watched my instructor test for his fifth degree black belt. And then we got in the car and we drove to California <laughs> to go watch the tournament. <laughs> so it was a f- fun, ro- fun, fun road trip. So oh, yeah. in all your years in martial arts, is there a philosophy that really stands out for you? One that you still teach in your seminars or that you really just, it comes back to you in your everyday life every now and then? Is, is there one, one that stands out? Yeah, there's, there's kind of two. One is don't give up, right? No matter how hard uh, something appears, the more you do it, the better you get. You know, you mm-hmm. just have to have a positive, positive attitude. So, so don't, don't give up. And also put 100% effort into anything you do. Always do your best. Like, you know, sometimes like when I'm teaching seminars and especially like when I'm teaching self-defense, people are just like walking through it, like in slow motion, right? And I'm like, that's not going to help you on the street. You really have to do it fast and you have to do it strong and you know, you're only training for about an hour. So put a hundred percent effort into it, which is going to make you a better martial artist. And it's also going to make you stronger and have better cardio. So I I'd say those two things is don't give up on anything uh, and uh, always put a hundred percent of your effort into it. And, you know, not only to martial arts, it, it applies to everything in life. That's a great answer. I, so I love that question. I've never gotten the same answer from everybody, anybody that I've asked that question to in 40, 40 plus episodes. So, oh, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it's yeah, nice. <laughs> you, um, should put a, you should put a, a video together of just the, everybody's answers on that. Cause I always feel that, you know, people could pick up something, you know, and, and apply it to their own daily life from words of wisdom. <laughs> yeah. That's actually not a bad Maybe I'll do that on like my hundredth episode or something. Do like, a yeah, that would be of, awesome. So there we go. All right. So favorite martial arts book. Book. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Let me see. What's my favorite martial art book. Oh gosh. I'd, I'd have to say the one I did with George Chong dynamic kicks. I okay. love that book and I like the kicks in it and I like the pictures. And I remember when we did that book, like George is a phenomenal martial artist, right? And we have some really, really good pictures in there. But I remember at the time it was when, you know, when you do a kick and they, they'd have the shutter like really slow. And then it looked like, you know, you have like 10 kicks to one kick and, the, and the, like we have all that there. So uh, I don't even know. I don't even know if you could get it anymore, but I think it's out of print, but Black Bell put it out. But uh, yeah, I guess I, I, I really like I'm proud of that. And um, I, I, I love that book. Okay, cool. All right. These, these next two, you can't pick one that you've been in. So first one, favorite martial arts TV show. Okay. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I wouldn't pick one I've been in as a favorite, but 
<laughs> I'd be at the book, but not, not a martial art movie. But I'd say favorite TV show had to be uh, Kung Fu with David Carradine. I love that show. All right. So now about five or six of my guests have picked that. And I always, I always ask the question, did you watch the sequel that came out like in 91, The Legend Continues? Was that with Brandon Lee? No, no, that was the movie. That was the sequel to the movie. It was, oh, a, that was the movie. There was the TV series. It was with David Carradine and Chris Potter played his son, who was like a cop in San Francisco. It was a modern day where Kwai Chang Kang was like his great, great, great grandfather or something. Yeah, I, no, I didn't watch that one. Okay. I'm, I'm back to the old school one where he, he was the, the monk. <laughs> okay, very cool. All right. And this one, favorite martial arts movie. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? I just reviewed it. And I still love it. It's Return of the Dragon, oh, nice. you know, with Chuck Norris and Bruce Lee. Yep. Um, I, I, I like that. Or Enter the Dragon, the classic Bruce Lee movies. Mm-hmm. You know, nowadays, you know, you have so much more action and this and that. But I would have to say that, you know, like, I think those are classics and yep. will always be a classic. Oh, I agree completely. I, I still, I rewatch all five of Bruce Lee's movies every couple of years because they're so good. So, oh yeah, well we we reviewed a few of them on Black Belt. Uh, on uh, we did a Chinese Connection. Okay, right. Nice. And I haven't seen that. And it's so funny. It's been so long. I don't even remember them. You know, and it's good <laughs> to go back and look. You know, and it's funny. Like you killed, you killed my teacher. Why? 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 Yeah, That's funny. awesome. <laughs> I, I, I'll have to send uh, some suggestions for you guys to review because I have. <laughs> oh yeah. Quite a yeah, vast list, do. but. All right, so here, here's one that I, I've just started asking recently because it came up in conversation. So is there, doesn't necessarily have to be a martial arts movie, maybe just a regular movie that had some martial arts fight scenes in it, but is there a movie that you think has the most realistic martial arts fight scene? Oh, the most realistic? I liked what, what Sherlock Holmes, Robert Downey Jr. Oh, when he yes. did Wing Chun. I love that. And I didn't know he was really a Wing Chun uh, student yep. because I liked how he thought about it slow. And in his mind, and then he did it really fast in in real life. And I was like, "Wow, he did that so well for not being a martial artist." And then I found out he was a Wing Chun stylist. But uh, uh, yeah, I I really liked that action in that. That's great. That's actually one that hasn't been mentioned before. I like that. That's cool. So I know myself, I always, when I was first asked that question randomly from a friend, the first one that popped into my head was the J- the Jason Bourne movies, with um. Matt Damon, uh, couple, oh, the, right. the one the one fight scene in the park when the cops are yelling at him for sleeping on the bench, and yeah, I just I love that scene. <laughs> well, you, you know, it's things that to me that stick out in your mind. You yep. know, like I've seen so many films and I don't even remember them. You know, but there's certain ones, and I remember in The Kingsman, the first one, when he when Colin Firth first comes into the church. Mm-hmm. I love that. I don't know if, like how realistic it was, but it was very. Uh, they made it look realistic, and it was entertaining for me. So nice. I, I really. I remember that. I like that fight scene. Well, so anything else that I maybe haven't asked you that we, we want to discuss before I, I let you go? And I, I, I truly appreciate your time. And anything else you want to talk about? I definitely want to get it out there. Um, I think just, you know, um, people can get in touch with me on Facebook. I'm really, uh, really involved in, you know, uh, keeping current everyday postings and people can follow where I'm going to have appearances at, you know, and what I'm doing uh, movie wise that and I'm on Twitter. I have a YouTube channel. And uh, next week I'll be launching, it's going to be the Cynthia Rothrock Association. I'm going to be launching that, which is really exciting. It's not only for martial artists, but for fans as well. So people can tune in and see what that's about. Oh, cool. And 
yeah, I guess uh, that that's uh, all I could think of right yeah. now. <laughs> I love your I love your scuba diving stuff you've been posting because that's I've I've never been scuba diving. My son's a scuba diver. He got certified in Boy Scouts, but I've never done it myself. I love the pictures of that. Oh, I know. You know, I just started. Actually, it's been a year, really, up until December because I started in last December, and I did it because you know COVID hit, and it was like, what am I going to do? What can I do? You know, I'm home. I'm not working. I'm not traveling, and I, I was like, oh, we could do scuba, and it's something I've always wanted to do. And I've just become obsessed with it. I started not like a year ago, I have over 105 dives already. Uh, I love it. It's just, uh, it's very, it's like relaxation for me when I'm under the water. You know, at first it took a while because it was, you know, it it was very nerve wracking and I was scared and, you know, because it's your life support system down there. You have to really know what you're doing and you can't panic if something goes wrong. And I finally got to that point. So now I'm really enjoying it. And I've also, I love photography. I love taking pictures. And so that's opened up a whole new world of photography for me is doing that. But I'm actually in January doing a, uh, a liveaboard trip to the Maldives and um, cool. you stay on the boat and you go to like five dives a day and you live on the boat and just uh, for a whole week, just go diving. Wow. That would be fun. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe someday I'll give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you know what? It, I'm telling you, I did the Belize, the blue hole, which is like 131 feet down. Right. Wow. And I was like wow. petrified at that, like going down so far. Cause you really have to, you know, watch your equalization and you have to be aware of your safety stops because that could really, you know, you could really, you could get killed. Like if you don't do it, oh, do yeah. it correctly. But for people that are, you know, beginners or maybe a little afraid, you know, you only have to go down about 30 feet, but you could go to places like Aruba where it's really shallow dive, but you still see beautiful fish and coral and you're not that far down. So if you look up, you see the top, it's not as scary as going like the blue hole in Belize. <laughs> okay. That's good to know. And I would do it. I would do it in the Caribbean where it's warm water and clarity. Okay. Well, I'm in Minnesota. We have, you know, over 11,800 lakes here too. So yeah. don't do it there. No. <laughs> you want to you be a scuba diver. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I did, I did it here in California and you're thinking California is going to nice. That's where I got yep. my open water and it was freezing. It was 47 oh. degrees out when we went and you couldn't see anything in the water and there were currents and yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, that sounds, sounds like a lot of fun. That's for sure. But Cynthia, I just want to thank you. I'm so glad we were able to do this. I, I truly, it's been an honor having you on the show and I truly appreciate your time. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist. We hope you'll join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist, and we'll see you next week.